Packing punches, episode eight, summertime brawling. We're back with Scotty Finlay and me, Ben. How you doing, fella? I'm good. I'm good. The sun is shining and the boxing is flowing. So, yes. Yes. I am absolutely melting down here in the southeast. Everyone knows it's at least 10 degrees warmer down here than it is in the Midlands. That's very true. <laughs> well, we're going to kick off, mate, because uh, we had a bit of a technical fuck up last week where we lost our little section where we were talking about Josh Taylor and Tiafimo Lopez. So, we're going to jump back to... The underground theatre at Madison Square Garden ever so briefly. I think Theo done us all, didn't he? Definitely. Um, I don't know if it was all a myth with his dad and all what was going on, but the guy came out and Josh gave it all in the first few rounds. He looked like the Josh Taylor of old. He'd come back, uh, but then Theo just took what he he did off Josh and, and then absolutely schooled the rest of the fight. And it was a convincing win. Mm. No complaints. And I'm very happy that after the fight, Josh didn't even try and say anything else. He congratulated T.O., uh, said he was a deserved victor, and he's now looking on to what comes next for Josh Taylor. It was. It was very magnanimous and quite refreshing, honestly, from Josh, to be honest, after what we heard after the um, the Jack Catchell fight, which uh, displeases me so. But the yeah, with the fight, there was some serious leather being thrown. Really, from from start to finish, it really showed the condition of both fighters, how good condition they were. They both looked great on the scales. Um, we we do know it's probably Josh's last fight at 140. Yeah. Um, but it didn't look a struggle for him. I don't think he faded physically in the fight. As you say, I think he was just schooled. Yeah. And I think the whole Jack Catchell situation played a hand in this because... He had to kind of prove a point. Everyone had the doubters. But then 17 months out of the ring, when you're struggling to make that weight, I know he didn't look like it, but he's, that that's just biology. Mm. Um, yeah, what is he, six foot one? Yeah. And I feel like if he ended up taking the loss against Catrell and then got another fight within the next six, nine months, it might have been a different route. But look, that's all hindsight. He is, he's taken a fight. He's lost it. And he's been the better man, which is good to see. And hopefully that people come back to being a bit warped towards Josh again, because hell of a fighter and seems a good guy, to be honest. Yeah, I've always found him to be a good guy. I think the, the Catrell post-fight stuff aside, um, he's always come off incredibly well, incredibly down to earth. He's also, I think, underrated by a lot of Brits. I think at, at that weight, go back... Before the Catchell fight, we've got an undisputed British champion at one of the most competitive weights in boxing. We go back to like the Four Kings and stuff like that. You know, this this ten stone weight weight category just has some of the finest boxers in history, and Josh Taylor is one of them. He is definitely, um, and should and should be remembered as so. Even so, now he's going to more than likely step up to welterweight. What next for Tio? Do you believe the um? Retirement rumours? The guy's an enigma, isn't he? Um, what was he, 25? He's young, yeah. I I think he thinks he's retired. I believe in what he says. Um, he had a pop at uh, Michaela Maya about her comments, which I thought was really bizarre. Why are you concentrating on what she was saying? And 
He's now saying he wants to be a commentator. You can commentate on fights whilst you're training for another fight. Look, uh, Tio will be retired when someone offers him that little next paycheck. And that's when we'll know if he's retired because mm. people will be out for him to get that fight and and get that made, especially if uh, they can get another US fight. Getting him over to these shores, not so sure. There's still but big fights for him there. I mean, there's the, massive fights for him. The Cambosis rematch for one. I mean, well, the you would like that. Rematch. Yeah, I'd love to see that again. But it's, do you think, it's? I don't think it's something that's really been touched on by anyone. He's in this category with Chris Eubank Jr., with Conor Ben. Is his dad's hand up his ass and working him like a puppet? Because TFM Lopez Sr. is never, you know, never an icon like Chris Eubank Sr., Nigel Ben. But he does seem to be running the show. Is I more think of that's a... for I think that's WWE style. I I think some of that stage to put the other fighters off so because to... it's very very to see what you've seen in the lead up to the Josh fight was a bit bizarre. But I feel like it's a bit of you know the Americans know how to do their reality shows um, and it's like keeping up with the Kardashians and then you've got in the WWE got the total divas and that. They know what they're doing and they create drama. I think an element of that, maybe there is sour grapes in the family at some point, but if he was that affected by it, he wouldn't have put on that performance he did. So you think T.O. Senior then might as well be the American version of having a Chinese takeaway at home and going, Abosh! Abosh! (laughs) Yeah, Bosh! Yeah, so we've got Big Johnny Fisher's old man, the American version. I think so. I think there's an end of that. Might be wrong, but I do we both believe that we've seen the last of T.O.? No, I don't think so. Nah, not at all. Too many big fights around there. So for Taylor then, if he's moving up to welterweight, we've just mentioned his name. Josh has mentioned it. They've had a back and forward on social media. Do you see that Conor Ben fight happening? I think Josh is, he doesn't have anything to prove. He was the undisputed champion. First one since Buchanan. If anyone doubts him, then that's on them. Mm. But what he needs to do now is think about whether he's A, got the hunger, and B, financially for the rest of his life. And he needs to be looking at the big fights and the risky fights. And a big British fight is one that's going to sell. So if you have to go after the fighters that you wouldn't normally go after, then... Yeah. Mm. Um, we do see a lot of world champions when they take undisputed world champions, ones that have got one belt, two belts, three belts. When they step up a weight division, they don't have to wait that long, do they? To, no. To, no, to get that pretty shot. much shooed in, aren't you? Because they keep that ranking, don't they, with the way that some of the organizations work. They'll just shift their ranking to the next division. The When we first spoke about Josh a couple of weeks ago when we were building up to this fight and talked about him moving to Welter, the name I said, which has been said again recently, is David Avanesian. And I would absolutely love to see that fight. Yeah, a little war, that. Mm. And this is where Josh, that's a test of metal for Josh at 147. Because he hasn't been knocking people on their ass. His record is just undeniable. I mean, the time from being an undisputed champion, his previous eight fights, I think we're looking at 154 and 0 mm-hmm. was his opponent's. There's no mincing words. That's fucking unbelievable. Yeah. I don't think you can name another fighter in the world that's ever done that. I think that's incredible. But seven pounds heavier 
and he's not stopping people at 140, is he going to carry that power up, lose some of his movement? He's great on the back foot, seven pounds heavier. Will it slow that down? If someone like Avanesian, who is non-stop, is coming at you, does it make a difference? It does. It does make a difference. But I think maybe the mental block was gone. Mm. He's had that loss now. And he's got nothing to lose by taking on the fights that he goes to take on. And it may, maybe he feels a little bit loose and he lets the hands go a little bit more because he stopped doing that a little bit in the TO fight and he has got hands. I'd like to see, I'd like to see Josh just forget the weight he's at, move up and take, take on a challenge, mm. even if he has to take a warm up. But, the only person who knows this is Josh, I suppose, and what he wants to do. If he's chasing the dollar, he's chasing the dollar and fair play to him. Fair play, yeah. He deserves can't, that. Can't argue with anyone. St- uh, sticks with this current coach as well. Obviously, I only had this, this one fight with him. I don't think it he's does very, anyone He's very good. complimentary as well after. Mm. Um, so if he if he then changes coach again, it, it, I don't think it looks too good on him. No, and I, I can't say it's it's good for anything, changing your coach regularly. No. He could no. be getting in a groove and stuff with coaches. Uh, there was a, another fight Weekend just gone, obviously, from the one game uh, at his own card down in New Orleans. Uh, Pro Gray against Zirilla. Uh, some more judging issues brought up. I mean, moving from the Taylor Catchell, obviously, that was a, a massive controversy. Now, I didn't catch all of this fight. It was on ridiculously early in the morning. I've seen some sort of, like, put together highlights. Two of them quite wide to Pro Gray. One of them close to Zirilla. Was there any explanation for it? I can't see one. The second round is is the is the one that's being pinpointed. Yeah, and two of those judges gave it to uh, to Progray, and he didn't land a punch in the entire no. round. Now, no. Progray against Taylor, that was technically one of the best fights I've ever seen. Really enjoyable, and I think either fighter could have won a round I in agree. that fight without throwing a punch because that's how good their footwork is. Because mm-hmm. the boxing game is not just about hitting, it's also about not getting hit. And this is where the controversy is coming in with the, sc- the scoring, I think, because it's down to what you like. I now, agree, yeah. I like aggressive counter-punching. So I would give a guy a round on the fact that he dodged four and landed one, rather than the guy that landed three, but they perhaps didn't look quite as classy. Mm-hmm. So... Is that's what's happening? They're giving Prograde the round because of his defensive abilities. Because this is not amateur boxing. You know, we're not we're not pressing the button when the head bing, or the chin or the body yeah. is being touched. It's not point scoring like that. This is Queensbury rules. It's ten points around, so it's different. Because I've heard people say that about oh well, you know, he landed this, he landed that. You know, it's point scoring shots. This is not amateur boxing. This is professional boxing. This is Queensbury rules, uh, and. I, I think Progray won the fight. I've got no problem with Progray winning the fight. And I think he will clean up at 140 now. And I think if T.O. wants it, that's a big, big fight. I thought he won the fight. And in this day and age and the way we are, because with every close fight or even not a close fight, we are consistently talking about judges. So the fact that he won the fight, great. And he knew himself. He said after it wasn't a great fight and it wasn't a great performance. So I feel like we kind of have to dust it under the carpet a little bit with the judges because they're so unpredictable. I mean, we we can't call it. We might as well 
put the bets on the, the split or the majority and not a uh, unanimous anymore because it will never happen. No, I can't that's remember. where the odds are. Yeah. <laughs> it's great value in doing that. That's it. Um, as for Progray, unifying, possibly. But oh, what I did notice after the fight, he's naming John Smith. He's naming his auntie. Didn't didn't say Jack Cattrall, did he? No. Doesn't want that smoke. No, I don't think I don't think he does. And it's so, gonna. I think it's gonna be a, a long, hard road for Jack, which is really unfortunate. Sh- for for a man who should have woke up on that Sunday morning as an undisputed champion, yeah, he's now got a long, hard road back to the top, which is a right shame. There was some British interest on that card as well. Uh, Ramler Ali was sensationally stopped uh, in the eighth round, I believe, of of her fight. I mean. People say, oh, women's boxes, no knockouts. Fucking hell. That was a knockout. I've watched the knockout five times and I've still not seen the shot. Hell of a shot. Oh, it was just, it was so short. Just Mm. on the inside, the cleanest little short left hook. And Ali's gone. She's, before she hits the deck, deck, she's out. And and I don't think that's going to do her any harm whatsoever. Because out of all of the females... People say, oh, Shannon Courtney with the Dubai lifestyle and this and the other. And Ramler's, Ramler was famous before she was a famous boxer because she was the first uh, Somalian boxer athlete and all this. She did the L'Oreal advert. She was the TV. was everywhere. This girl was everywhere. She's, you know, a stunning looking woman. She's an incredible athlete. Perhaps she was a little bit distracted because she hasn't, since her, a fight with Beck Connolly. She hasn't really had a test. And uh, and I don't think this will do her any harm. I don't think it'll do any harm, but I don't I don't want to discredit anything about the the fighter she fought because she rocked her a few times. She did she knocked her down earlier, I think, in the fifth and she knocked her down. That shot would put down nine out of ten people. Mm. It was sometimes you need to take a slap to learn. And as you said, it will do her no harm. And I think in the women's game, sometimes they need a slap to uh, to wake them up a little bit as well. And it, for, for learning, you've got to learn. And you can't always walk onto these shots because I feel like they're in the comfort zone. The two-minute rounds, as we've said before, there's not many knockouts. But perhaps you need to uh, taste your own blood. Yeah going forward. Yeah, I mean, and as good as the shot, well, the, the only thing I, I can think of, as we said, especially with the, the Bantam, Super Bantams, you know, you're under nine stone. It's to generate one punch knockout power when you're under nine stone is, is an incredible feat. But could could perhaps be a site of not the best conditioning for, for Ali. Is she getting the sparring that she needs to, to, to take them punches, to eat them up and come forward? We, we don't know. We'll, we'll only see when she comes back and, and see what she does on a, on what well, I hope would be a very small rebuild. And then she'll be back up at, um, at European level and whatnot. Well, whilst we're with the women, uh, Women's Fight News, brilliant social channel run by Susie and Sasha. They put out so much news about women's boxing. Um, obviously, everyone's heard me harp about it on here all the time. I love it. They have shared some pictures today of the major promoters in the world, one of which I'm going to ignore because he's not a promoter, he's a dickhead and I don't want him anywhere near the sport. 
Um, it just unfortunately happens to have one of the most successful women boxers of all time on his roster of two. But Matchroom have got 10 world champions, four undisputed, and a plethora of other female fighters, up-and-comers, as well as those coming towards the end of their career. Boxer, I think they've got six, which includes two world champions uh, in Natasha Jonas, Savannah Marshall, sure to be more in there as well. Top rank have got two, uh, one of which is Michaela Mayer. The name of the other one escapes me at the moment. Uh, Queensbury have got one, which is Raven Chapman. Fantastic boxer. I really think she's got a good future in it. Now, the two promoters that always get labelled as dinosaurs amongst everybody are, without offence to anybody, they're Frank Warren and Bob Arum. And then is it any surprise that these two have got the smallest roster of female fighters? And I think Raven Chapman is the first one Frank Warren has had since Nicola Adams. And that poor girl wasted her career by signing with him after the Olympics. Yeah, Nicola should have went on to be the pillar in the boxing world it should, for the it women. Should have, it should have been her and Katie Taylor after the yeah. Olympics. Her and Katie Taylor going up, right up like that. But and it, it didn't, did it? Nah. And Frank and Bob, if it doesn't make them money on that fight night, on their first fight or whatever, they're not interested. And they can pretend now, even if they start to sign the women, that it's their interest and they can go on IFL and say, oh, yeah, we're really backing this girl. Facts, facts are facts, and mm. they, they, will ne- they will never be interested. And in what they, even if they do, they'll get it wrong anyway. Yeah. And they'll probably say some sexist comment about something down the line. So, in a way, I'm happy they haven't got them. Um, Eddie knows what he's doing. Yeah, it was a worry for me when, when Raven Chapman was announced as being signed at Queensbury, and I was like, it's really the best idea. Is she going to get the exposure that she needs? Is she going to get the fights that she needs on the cards that she needs to get the exposure? Probably not. And then you'll look at, I mean, Ellie Scottney fighting for a world title in her sixth fight. I, you know, Eddie Hearn signed these women young. He knows what he's doing with them. And look how many of them are world champions. Four of them undisputed, which is mind-blowing. If you... I'm not trying to blow smoke up Eddie's ass. I feel like a lot of people do that. But if you work for Eddie, he'll work for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably say that. He's a, I mean, he is without doubt the best salesman in the game. That's, um, you know, on top of that, as all the bravado and all that, he is just a lovely, lovely man as well, as is his dad, Barry. Two lovely gentlemen. Um, Eddie, ridiculously tall. Uh, I, I do have a picture with him where I look like an absolute midget. I mean, I'm I'm not the biggest geezer stood next to most people, but he made me look very small indeed. And uh, I don't know whether perhaps George Warren taking over a little bit more at Queensbury could see a little bit of an uptake in it. But it's, um, yeah, again, something that Sasha and Susie will push and I'll push as well to, to try and get our British women a little bit more exposure and uh, and get them, get them going. Uh, one of the women signed with Matru, one of their world champions, defended her title a couple of weeks ago against Katie Healy, uh, is Nina Hughes. Uh, and I caught up with Nina this week. Uh, joining me on Packing Punches, WBA Bantamweight world champion Nina Hughes. How are you doing this evening? I'm good, cheers. How are you? I'm really well. Do you have a nice break? Yeah, yeah. Lovely break. <laughs> well needed. Yeah, well deserved, I'm sure. Straight back into camp? Uh, just ticking over lightly at the moment. 
obviously the uh, the division uh you, you don't want to be left sitting around for too long because obviously ebony's going to have a warm-up eddie spoke about a fight in america as well and we've just yeah. found out that thorsland and luna are going to unify yeah so it's exciting times for you though because it could really only be two fights away exactly yeah just hope it happens yeah so hopefully ebony has a, a fight in august and then we can fight later on in the year yeah absolutely it's one, of the, it's one of the things i absolutely love about women's boxing is you guys fight each other you fight regularly you get out there as often as you possibly can um the men should take note really <laughs> so going to your your last defense um it was going to be shannon courtney obviously shannon pulled out with an injury um yeah any possibility of that fight happening again further down the line i think she's gonna have to work her way back towards it now isn't she <laughs> yeah well i'm focused on unifying now so yeah we'll have to see unless one unless um the bridges fight doesn't happen for whatever reason they're, they're the fights i'm focused on the other champions so yeah not for the moment yeah absolutely uh, and uh, katie healy stepped in uh, i had it 100 to 90 for you i thought it was quite comfortable um yeah. i think you used everything that was your attributes katie didn't really seem to use hers you got under that jab that the movement between body head body head was fantastic do you enjoy yourself yeah, yeah, I did enjoy it. <clears throat> I yeah, enjoyed the old experience. Um, we knew she was tall. We knew she was going to box on the back foot and try and keep it long. So, yeah, the tactics were like go to the body and the head. I probably could have gone to the body a bit more than I should have, than I did. But, yeah, I felt comfortable in there. So I knew I was winning the rounds. Yeah, and, th and they were quite comfortable as well. I think there may be a couple where you might be able to, if you were being really generous, you could probably give them to her. But, yeah, 100 to 90 was pretty standard for me. How did your camp go yeah. for that? Because was it a little bit fragmented? Obviously, training for Shannon's a lot different to training for Katie. <laughs> yeah, it was. Obviously, we'd had certain sparring partners for Shannon. So we've been training for like a solid eight weeks for Shannon. Um, so, yeah, it was really frustrating when she pulled out. And then, obviously, to have Katie, who's completely different, it would have been more helpful if there was if we'd have got a replacement who was more similar. But... Yeah, um, Casey stepped in and we just, for three weeks, we had to quickly find some tall sparring partners <laughs> and uh, yeah, change it up. <laughs> would they have more likely been men, the sparring partners? Um, no, we did find a few women. Like, we couldn't find, like, we didn't, uh, we first sparred one girl, Charlotte Powell. She came down all the way from Liverpool twice. Um, that was really helpful. Um, and we just had a couple of others that were just a bit taller. Yeah. <laughs> there was a paper, I've been sparring Shannon Ryan um, a lot before, and obviously she's smaller than me, so it's completely different to what we was used to. But you have to adapt in this game, so. Yeah, she had a good win herself recently as well. Yeah, yeah, she's on the same show, so yeah, she did well. Yeah, excellent. How do you think the sport is growing then? Because it's it seems to me, I mean, I'm a massive fan of women's boxing. I've, I've been ever since it was sort of, even before it became really, really popular. But do you think now that, I mean, obviously you are coming possibly towards like the latter stages of your career. And yeah. the, the kids that are coming through now, the the Olympians, the, the early 20s, I think the quality level is just going through the roof. Yeah, definitely. It's just growing and growing and there's more and more girls turning over and the standards are getting better and better. So there's going to be a deeper pool of talent and it can only get better from now. So, yeah, Absolutely. it's it's exciting to grow. Yeah, I think that's probably why you, when you turned over pro, I would say you were one of the most avoided because your, your <laughs> amateur prowess just gave you that little step up where people, they could look at your age and ignore that because it doesn't matter how old Nina is. We know how good <laughs> she is. We know how dangerous she is. Did you find you were getting avoided? Um, yeah, yeah, I was at the beginning. Um, 
And yeah, we just knew that we had to push on and move as quickly as possible. And we knew we could because of my amateur experience. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been able to move as quickly as I did. No. We did have a previous opponent of yours on the show last week. We had Beck Connolly on. Uh, great <laughs> words to say about that fight. That was a proper war between you two, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's, I mean, she's great for the game. Like, um, yeah, she's been in with everyone. And he's like, can't knock her for that. <laughs> No, no, absolutely. Yeah. And as I said with Beck there, the, the the game wouldn't progress if it wasn't for fighters like Beck going anywhere and fighting anyone. Exactly. So we're looking forward then to, to unification. Uh, do you have any names in mind, though, do you think? If you can't get the Ebony fight for the end of the year, would you fancy one more? Yeah, I, I don't, Ebony's who we want, but yeah, I don't know. If we, I, I definitely want to box this year. So if we can't get her this um, year, obviously Dina and Luna are tied up. So... I don't know who, where, what options there are, but yeah, I definitely want to box again this year. Absolutely. It'd be great to see it back out again. Nina, thank you so much for joining me. Great to hear from the world champ and good luck for the rest Thanks. of the year. Cheers. No worries. Thanks. Big thanks to Nina for joining me over the phone. I had to do that over WhatsApp audio, record the audio, screen record, so the video that will be on YouTube in a, in a few days, if it is ever so slightly out, it is slightly out. It was, it was a massive task for me to edit that together. But great to hear from the world champion, and she's looking forward to the future. She is indeed, and she knows what she wants, and I don't think she'll be taking anything she don't want. She wants Ebony, and uh, everyone wants to see that fight, mm. and it will be, it'll be uh, interesting to see where that's made and what card that will be on. But I hope that happens, and I think it will happen because that's the fight the fight that needs to happen i think i think it's just a question of timing obviously ebony's coming back from her injury she's gonna need a warm-up because she's been out for a while um i think eddie was speaking about america perhaps maybe giving her giving her a gimme i suppose but you don't want to give her a gimme because you need you're gonna need to be ready for nina hughes i mean that that fight when when nina retained her title and ebony was ringside and it was being spoken about I was like, oh, that fight, that that fight for me is is rock'em sock'em. Bangers. They 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 will just stand in the centre of the ring and smash the fuck out of each other until one of them falls over. Yep. And KO is the bet. I can't wait to see it. I think it'd be great, absolutely brilliant fight. But yes, thank you so much for joining me. We had a short five minutes of a of a late evening after a hard day's training for us, trying to shift the uh, the holiday weight now and get back down to normal walking around weight. But um, yeah, always good for the women. Obviously, it wouldn't be an episode of this if I weren't banging on about women's boxing. Love the women. <laughs> Little move on then to a, a bit of a boxer card from uh, from last weekend. They had a Friday night show at an absolutely infernuous York Hall. Apparently, uh, upwards of forty degrees inside the venue in the evening. It's uh, if you've not experienced the York Hall summer evening, you've not experienced a uh, a warm boxing. I tell you. It's uh, it's quite some place, and it was uh, it was full full to the rafters, which I mean, it should be. It's not the biggest of venues. It's got a hell of an atmosphere when it's full, uh, for a few sort of British, British fights in there. British fighters that we all want to see doing well. A little nod again. We'll leave the women alone after this. Another great performance from Caroline Dubois, um, and she's moving on, moving forward. And we can see big tests for her in the future. Didn't get the stoppage, but I don't think that really matters. She's got some rounds in. She's got some experience in. No, it's not all about stoppages at the moment. 
No, not for Caroline. It's definitely about rounds and experience because she's not learning much if she's knocking someone over inside mm-hmm. the first two minutes. Uh, there was a lovely little uh, tasty rematch for um, Vidal on there. I can't pronounce the, the other geezer's name. Um, but that was finished with a lovely lovely stoppage there. Always nice to see a bit of bad blood in a, in a fight. A little bit of needle always makes it a little bit more exciting. Um, there was a good win as well for Aaron McKenna. Got a unanimous decision over Lima. I People were sort of saying knockout for that. I couldn't see it. I thought Lima was too good. Yeah, to walk into a wild McKenna shot that, you know, both McKenna's have these wild shots that come from all sorts of angles. But yeah, that's a good, good win. I think he's got the WBC silver intercontinental into Toto, some WBC shit. The, the, the milk cup. Yeah, he's got, he's got some, some bit of green leather with some tat on it. We'll move on to the WBC in a bit. Uh, and then the headline was uh, Big Phrase, the eraser Fraser Clark against the uh, undeniable European rock journeyman Marius Vack. Been in mm. with, been in with the best, been in everywhere. Marius Vack. It was, I don't. Can we, can we think of a word for it? I can't think of a word. For pointless. It. Pointless. <laughs> Well, it was a late replacement, wasn't it? Because the card should have been headlined by Adam Azeem, who unfortunately was pulled out with an injury, um, which is going to keep him out for about six months, which is a shame. So it was a late chuck-in of a fight. A test for Fraser, nonetheless, because obviously, as we just said, Vac has been in with the best of the best. But I don't think Fraser really learned anything from that fight that will put him in any stead to face Fabio Wardley. No, the, the highlight of Fraser's week was trying to get uh, Prince Patel in a bloody DDT. <laughs> I, ben Shalom said he needed 10 rounds. Oh, okay, blah, blah, blah. So what now? We're, he's done that. So we've mm. wasted three months. Now we've got to do another camp. Everyone's getting older to then fight Wardley. I yeah. just don't get it, mate. Like, you can you explain it to me because I'm baffled. Well, straight after the fight, they've exclaimed that there's a big offer on the table for Wardley. Oh, shock! Well, <laughs> <laughs> so, which wasting everyone's time? Yeah, I mean, the, he was mandated. He was mandated as a British challenger. Mm. So, why are they making offers? Uh, I don't know. Who like? He's just listened to Shalom now, and he just looks like that. It's becoming Jay from in between us. <laughs> because he says something different every day. Yeah. I don't always say, we've got this, doing the 10. You said to me, he needed a 10. It was billed as an eight and it ended up being a 10. Mm. Like what? Like Fraser Clark's the one losing out here and Fabio. Because Fabio wants that phrase. Like the British title should mm. be the... That's that's the goal. That's what everyone wants to win as a British fighter. And then you go on to everything. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit bizarre. I've now got this image of Ben Shalom in a caravan talking about where he's got four birds, got one up here, got one down. <laughs> I, I, but oh, it, like you can only say so much so many times before people like, mate, what's going on? Yeah. So Clark, what are we on? June. Yeah, we got September, October. Is that the plan? It's got to happen. 
Yeah, it must be. I don't know. They were talking about Portman Road in Ipswich. So then obviously we've gone into the football season. Yeah, you can't do that. That's Is gone. It? Yeah, so that, that's probably not viable. So then we're probably looking at the O2. But it's, um, yeah, it's a fight that needs to... The heavyweight division as a whole just needs to have a fucking long look at itself and say, what what's going on? I'm the, bored of it, mate. The world champions ain't fighting. The British champions ain't fighting. The European champion ain't fighting. And they're all sitting there going, mmm, talking bollocks on social media. If I see one more Tyson Fury video, I'm going to block it. If you, if you asked a, a boxing fan, just a guy that drops in and out, who mm. is the British champion, who, who are the world champions, they probably wouldn't have a clue because they don't see them. Yeah. And that's yeah. sad. And the heavyweight boxing, there should be a fight every three, four months. Every quarter, there should be a fight going on, whether it's for an eliminator or for a title shot. But even if you have an eliminator now, you it doesn't mean anything because the champion's not fighting. Yeah. So they're just hogging the belts, aren't they? They're, they're keeping them locked up. And another problem as well with when they did, I remember a period going back now, probably to before COVID, where heavyweights were fighting regularly. Mm-hmm. Every every one of them was a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And we had a period, I think, where I think it was 2019. I think AJ fought December 2019. Dillian White fought the week before. I think there was another fight the week before. There was three pay-per-views in a row, or there might have even been two on the same night. And these subscriptions are expensive enough to watch all this boxing. You know, you need to have Sky, you need to have BT or TNT or whatever shit they're calling themselves these days. And then you need to have the zone, and some of it might be on Channel 5 or anything like that, which is fair enough. That's free. Boxing King Media, they do great stuff. They put on... Very quick one. They put on the JBM show last Friday. That was up at the Magna Carta. A great show from Izzy Azif. Um, and Stevie Levy got a got a win. First first fight of the night. A good, good, tough, good, tough distance fight that she got the winning. But yeah, they're putting this stuff out for free on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, and that's possibly to the detriment of their ticket sales. Of course it is. But they're trying to sell a product. Yeah. Whereas the product in the heavyweight decision division is none there. And let's talk about the WBC. Yeah. Mate, he's not, Tyson Fury's not got to have a mandatory. Talk to me because I am baffled. Well, they generally move in cycles, don't they? Uh, I mean, it's, it's easier for the Tyson because Tyson's only got one belt. Obviously, Usyk is due to fight Daniel Dubois for the WBO, I believe, because mm-hmm. they, they, they move in cycles. So people, people forget Usyk was Joshua's mandatory. That weren't no voluntary thing. Usyk got to the top of that ranking, obviously coming up as an undisputed cruiserweight champion. He got to the ranking quickly. Joshua could have gave the belt away. And no one, I don't don't think anyone gives him enough credit for taking that fight against Usyk. So Usyk's going to fight Dubois. That's his mandatory. If he beats Dubois, he's then got the option of a voluntary before the WBA will call their mandatory. And this is why... I can't remember who it was getting the arsehole now, but it was, but it might have been Dillian White, it might be someone else that that they were screaming, oh, I want the mandatory, I want the mandatory. Joe Joyce, Joe Joyce it was, the WBA mandatory, that he wanted that fight after the uh, the Zhili Zhang fight, if he'd beat Zhili Zhang, or even before that, because Joe Joyce just, admittedly, he's probably the only heavyweight that does just fight anybody. So 
it was gonna he was gonna have to wait because it was not his turn. He was ranked in WBA, but it was not his turn, so he had to wait. Dubois got that shot. It's massively ironic, obviously, because Joyce beat Dubois quite convincingly uh, a couple of years back. So that's a little bit of a controversial one. But WBC, Tyson Fury was a voluntary for Deontay Wilder. The first fight was scored a draw. I scored it a draw, so I had no issue with that. A lot of people thought that Tyson won. The WBC, in their infinite wisdom, decided that the result was controversial enough to order an immediate rematch. Now, we all know that the immediate rematch didn't happen because Tyson Fury went and fought Tom Schwartz. He went and fought your, uh, your big Swedish guy. Um, okay. Otto. Otto Valin, yeah. He sustained one of the worst cuts I've ever seen a heavyweight sustain and continued to fight. Any other boxer in the world, that gets stopped. No word of a lie. 100%. 100%. So he hasn't had his immediate rematch because he's, he's fought these two geezers on, on the way through. Building his little American profile, doing his Apollo Creed ring walk and doing this, the X, X, Y, and Z. Then he gets the Wilder fight in the February. Wins it. Wins it brilliantly. Then we have all the, the lockdowns and, and all that sort of malarkey. So there still hasn't been a mandatory for the WBC because this was a rematch from a voluntary defence. So then we get the talk, AJ's going to fight Fury. It's going to get done. It's going to get done. Oh, wait, there's this arbitration about this third fight between Wilder and Fury, which everyone now kind of seems to forget because no one wanted to see that. No one wanted to see that third fight. Because we'd had the draw, which the majority of Brits thought Fury won. And then in the rematch, that was so convincing. It was a fourth round. I think he knocked him down three times, stopped him in the fourth. It was so convincing. Why don't yeah. you see that again? Everyone so. learned what the word arbitration meant as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it popped up and people were like, what? It, I, it, to me, though, sorry I interrupted you, but it still, no, no. still doesn't make sense how that came about. It, it, there's mud in the waters with that one, I feel, as well. With everything with the WBC for me is is mud in the waters, and then we had the third fight and Fury again, not quite as convincingly because he took a knockdown himself in that fight, but he won that fight convincingly, and now he's WBC champion. The ring belt ended up being in that fight as well. The, this lineal bollocks, which I don't really buy, but I don't really buy that in any division. But you know, fair enough if he wants to call himself that, he can call himself that. I'm not going to argue with him. Gazer six foot seven. I'm a fucking midget. But so now we now he does get called for a mandatory. Dillian White. Be fair. Dillian White was in that number one position for about five years. Obviously, we had the COVID period where he was down. Then we had the defeat to Alexander Povetkin. And I mean, I don't think anyone could forget that finish. That uppercut was just the sweetest thing. No, that was a kill. That was a... <laughs> So, Dillian, through putting his mandatory position on the line against Povetkin, got an immediate rematch so that he could get it back, which he won quite happily in Gibraltar. I think he stopped him in six, I think. So it, was, it was a decent performance from Dillian. And to be fair, you know, all the oh, there's a little bit of drug stuff with Dillian as well that all sort of came up. All that side, Dillian was progressing quite well after the AJ defeat. The, uh, the Josh Parker victory was really good. 
had the fight gone 30 seconds longer, I think he'd have lost, but he won the fight quite well. The Oscar Rivas fight, which is where all of this uh, A sample, B sample shit started to come up. He still won that relatively well. So he'd earned his place as number one, obviously with the views on the drug test and everything. Obviously, I, I don't like it. I made a point. If you've failed a drugs test and you've been banged to right guilty, you should be banned. But whatever they found with that, they found with it. So then we get the mandatory, finally get the mandatory. And it's Dillian White and Fury deals with him in, what, six rounds. I, I don't even think Dillian White turned up that night. Um, I, I was offered a, a chance to go. I turned it down. I didn't really fancy... Uh, a stadium fight with uh, the traveling community in the South London community being in the same arena. I just thought that was tr that had trouble written all over it, but um, I understand it actually all went off relatively without a hitch. So fair play to everybody there. Now we've got Fury able to choose a voluntary as WBC champion. So he chooses Derek Chisora. He gives his mate a third fight and a big payday in a, Oh, fair play. I, I mean, I didn't think they'd sell out Wembley because I underestimated Fury's actual popularity with the with the casual boxing fan. Then he sells out the Tottenham Stadium in December. Has an outdoor fight in December. What What is all that about? And he obviously deals with Derek Chisora quite comfortably as well. So that's his voluntary. Now it is time for a mandatory. Now, I think the reason that they're calling no mandatory because I think the current WBC number one is Deontay Wilder. And I don't think they want to see that fight again. <laughs> no, 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 no. So it's, I mean, I don't have full understanding of it. If I've said anything in this wee rant about heavyweight boxing that is wrong, by all means, I'm happy to be corrected. But this is, this is how I see it. It's how I see the makeup of the heavyweight division with the mandatories, the voluntaries, who fights who, who takes what. The bottom line of it is Tyson Fury might call himself the lineal champion because he's undefeated. He was the man who beat the man and whatnot. You've got one belt. Alexander Usyk has got all the other ones. And instead of walking away from one of them, he's fighting his mandatory, which is a tough fight. Admittedly, just because any of these big heavyweights is a tough fight for Alexander Usyk. He's six foot two. He's 15 and a half stone. You know, these, these guys are monsters. But the, I don't think any of the organizations want an undisputed heavyweight champion. I can't disagree. Otherwise, shit would have happened. Mm. I think we all no, want it. Yeah, I As think fans, I, I, we want I've it. got no. I can't that's been give a, you a counter for that. That's, that's, of course, there's fans we want it. Yeah. But we're, been, never, we're not going to see it. No, that's been the grudge of all of us boxing fans, is that we can't say that guy's the best. Mm -hmm. He is the best in the world because it's fragmented because you've got so many belts that are available. I mean, I think Fury's got three different WC, but BC belts that they've made for this some shit. I think he's got one that he beat Dillian White, some purple and gold one he's got. I think is he the franchise champion as well, which or some I'm checked champion? out from it, mate. I'm checked out from it because I'm bored. Yeah. And uh, with Tyson, as you said about his social media, I don't watch it. I've unfollowed him. I, I I get sent stuff and I start watching it. Unless I see something from a promoter saying the fight's happened, then I'll be interested. But listening to him, I'm not I don't want to. No. No, because he's 
the biggest hypocrite in the world. He's this mental health champion, but then happily destroys anyone, calls them whatever name and certain takes a piss out of them. So why are you a mental health champion or you're that? Mm-hmm. You're that. You're just a fake mental health champion who spout shit every day. And I feel like a lot of the boxing heavyweight fans in the country are getting bored of it. Yeah. Yeah. Roman Fury and Tyson's, yeah, uh, youngest brother, I believe, uh, fought on that York Hall card on the Friday night. The boxer card got a, a points win, but John Fury was there. Did an interview with Boxing Social or uh, IFL. Can't remember who it was. Um, I don't mind plugging anyone else on, on here. But and it, the quote that lifted from it was, Tyson will walk away. He'll walk away from the spot. He's done. He's done with it. And I and I commented back saying, you know what? Go then. Go. Because no one is going to remember your fake legacy because he has got the worst resume of the top five heavyweights in the world. And they can't, for me, there can't be any argument about that. I agree. I don't like, I don't want to listen to John threatening everyone under the sun. Yeah. He threatened Eddie the other day and Eddie thought, well, I don't know what I've done. <laughs> Stop threatening people. And I don't know. He might threaten me now, but like, you've, you've got a checkered past. So don't start bringing that back up because why are you going to chin someone? He's he's threatened to chin about 20 people in the last year. He threatened... Uh, <laughs> do you remember a couple of years ago when uh, he, he, Carl Frampton said... I don't know what Carl Frampton said to him. And uh, John called him an idiot. And Carl went, yeah, and? <laughs> and Carl just stared at him and John didn't know what to do. Uh, they're just becoming very unlikable. They it's are. a shame. They are because they're they almost... used to like Fury, but they there's only so much you can talk, and now you need to walk the walk. Yeah, they've almost become caricatures of themselves. Yeah, put um, up or shut up. Yeah, and I don't think Tommy's helping by <sighs> saying to Vidal that he's now fighting at world championship level. Hmm. I watched uh, Tommy in Soccer Aid, and that was just as bad as this. It's fighting. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm not being funny. I mean, most people that are good at a sport and have some relevance of hand, eye, foot. Well, you think his footwork would be there, wouldn't you? He can't kick a ball. I don't. <laughs> I mean, I've I've played a few sports, but I, the one that I can kick a ball is. <laughs> so I think what we're saying here basically is Tyson, put up or shut up, because we're everyone's getting bored. They are indeed. I think we want. To, I want to see him fight someone. At this point, I don't actually care who it is, as long as it's not an MMA guy or it's not a YouTube crap. Just have an actual viable fight, and then when Usyk is done with Dubois, get it on, get it on altogether. Admittedly, this thing, this rumored Saudi thing, I think is gathering pace mm. of. Uh, because Usyk de Bois is August. And they're talking about Saudi, December, having Usyk Fury and Wilder Joshua all on the same card in the same venue. Mm. And I don't really want to believe it because it almost sounds too good to, no, to no, be No, no, no. I'm not going to. I won't. I won't. Um, no. But I'm it not is even g- going to comment. Uh, it is gathering pace. It is gathering pace. 
so a little bit for uh, next week. Next week, we'll be building up to the 1st of July shows. We've got, again, another double header where we'll be running TVs and iPads and stuff in the same room because um, we've got the Franchon Cruise versus Marshall show on July the 1st, which was going to be headlined by Chris Eubank Jr. against Liam Smith, but that is now indefinitely postponed. Um, Zach Chelly has got a new opponent for that night. Uh, Mark Heffron pulled out injured. So Jack, Zach Chelly is now going to fight Mark Jeffers. 15-0, and 0, sort of a decent up-and-comer. At the middle and super middleweights, you need to get a lot of fights under your belt before you get a decent ranking. So it's... um. Yeah, I, th- I see that being a good fight. I'm a massive fan of Zach Chelly. He's a British, Italian, Tunisian warrior. The the shorts are always quality, like a dark green and red velvet on the shorts. It's uh, it's always good. And another one who has his dad quite heavily involved as well, but his dad's not a, a caricature like some of the others. But looking forward to seeing that and looking forward to seeing the Marshall fight as well. But we will break all that down next week. And obviously the Dalton Smith against Sam Maxwell which uh, is, is shaping up to be a good one. If anyone hasn't heard of Sam Maxwell, put him in YouTube because you will see an absolutely brilliant fight where he was losing quite heavily and getting quite seriously mocked by his opponent until he banged him out in this Bang! <laughs> Bosh! <laughs> so, yeah, definitely worth a look. So looking forward to that, that card, which we will talk about next week. Mate, any other business? I don't think so, mate. I think... Uh... We're looking forward to the next few weeks of boxing. Yeah, definitely some good stuff coming up in July for summertime brawling. Thanks again to Nina for coming on this week. Great to hear from Thank the you, world Nina. champion. And uh, I believe next week we may have a guest. We should have had one this week. Unfortunately, his schedule clashed and we couldn't get him on. So he might be on next week, but we won't say anything just yet in case it don't come about. <laughs> Mate, thank you very much. The towel is in. Towel's in. <laughs>